You're listening to Undertelly with Oleg Novak, Mount Cola's fastest growing Aussie TV podcast. Last time on Undertelly, I made Sid watch an entire flaming week's worth of Home and Away. How good a job do you think Home and Away does of reflecting diversity? Oh, I'd have to give it like a solid zero out of ten. At the, oh, actually, no, tie is slightly brown. Mm, I mean, slightly, I'm, yeah. ambiguously ethnic. <laughs> so let's let's give them a two out of ten on that front alone. So this time we watched an entire week's worth of Neighbours to get Sid's take on how our friends at Ramsey Street are tackling LGBT and ethnic diversity on the small screen. So, Sid, have you ever watched an entire episode of Neighbours in your life before watching it this week with me? I have. I have. Because one more. of my best friends, Abby, she's a, a woman of colour. <laughs> she loves Neighbours. She has been watching Neighbours since she was in primary school. Um, and actually, when I go down and visit her, sometimes even after a night out, like, you know, we get home at 3, 4 a.m. And she's like, I need to watch Neighbours, Sid. So we both climb into bed and we watch Neighbours. And... You know what, like, even though as a child I never was bothered to watch Neighbours because it was always after The Simpsons and at 6.30 when the Neighbours theme came on, I was like, oh, great, it's time to do homework. When I watched it with Abby, I was like, this is vaguely interesting. And it was kind of like, yeah, I, I do want to find out what happens with these characters. Abby sounds amazing. I want to meet Abby. You would get along with her. Amazing. She can join our next sesh. Yeah. We can introduce her to Home and Away to the, to the Thai storyline. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Her loyalties lie pretty deep. Really? Yeah. I guess, is she a one-soap kind of girl? Definitely. Mm. Mm. Fair enough. Now that you've watched a week's worth of Neighbours, without going into too much detail, generally, was it, and you, I guess because you've watched it with Abby, so was it too different to what you expected? Um, no, I mean, it was it was very similar to what I expected in the sense that, you know, it, it does seem a little bit more suburban, although there seems like there's a little bit more, um, there's more of a range of characters on Neighbours than there are on on Home and Away, right? Like, we're not just talking about um, minority groups, but we're even talking about, for instance, financial standing and socioeconomic status, you know? Like, you get people from all over the spectrum, which is kind of interesting. Very interesting point, because I was going to ask, parking diversity, not comparing that with Home and Away, because we'll get to that. What were the main differences between Home and Away in terms of the writing, the quality of the writing, the acting, the directing, the look and feel, the story? I thought that the writing in Neighbours was marginally better. I mean, it was still lame and, you know, overly no. sentimental. Yeah, overly yeah. sentimental at times, right? Um, oh, we'll get to that overly sentimental. But <laughs> but I think that's it. That's just a trope of, of the type of show that it is, right? And you, you can't really penalise it for that. Like, all dramas are going to be overly sentimental like that. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of the writing, I think it was it was pretty good. I don't think it was as out of touch, especially with... Ooh, actually, no, wait. There was actually that one character, Jimmy, um, who was dealing with the fact that his estranged father, I'm assuming, had just come back and then he was about to take a, a job in New York and he was kind of dealing with that pain. I don't think that that was done so well through writing because he just came across as bratty rather than someone who was pained. But, mm. I'm, I mean, I don't know. He's a 12, 13-year-old kid, so... Kid actors are hard. Yeah, exactly. He's going through a difficult period. Exactly. Sid, let's talk about the diversity on the show. Before we kick into that, I thought what we would be a fun way of doing that is a really quick and interesting way of tracking how Neighbours has changed over the years in terms of reflecting diversity is to watch every single iteration of their opening credits sequence to see how the cast have changed. We're going to do that right now. Okay. Neighbors, oh, wow, that definition. <laughs> <laughs> it's 1985. I love it. It kind of reminds me of the intro to a Sims video game. Yeah. You know? 
people doing random shit. There stuff. was, oh, I think there was a Neighbours video game. 1985, entirely Anglo-centric and straight. Let's go to 1993. same story, entirely Anglo-centric and straight. Except I heard a tabla in the background. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that, Olek. Mm, mm. Good point. See, they're moving with it with the times. They are. 1998, same story. Same theme. Same formula. There was a cricket, there was a dog, there was washing a car. There was um, backyard shenanigans of getting wet with the hose. No secret kiss, though. No secret kiss. 1999, they get much more diverse with their colour palette in their graphics package. Baby steps, after all. This was, I think, peak neighbours for me. Check out Toadie's mullet. Mm. 2004, still entirely Anglo-Celtic. This brings the memories back. I know, that was when yeah. we were growing up. 2009. This was probably because this was the era with Zeke, Rachel, Donna and Ringo. It was corresponding with us growing up, so it was quite big for our generation. And oh, we have an Asian character, Sunny. I don't, don't know if you remember her. Yeah, so Sunny, actually, interesting aside, was played by one of my school friend's sisters. Really? Yeah, so she was playing a South Korean student, I yeah. think. Um, yeah, and he was of Korean heritage, and he, I remember him saying that his sister moved down to Melbourne to be on, oh on a show, yeah. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that was 2009 when Sunny came into the show, and I think she, I, I based on my very quick search through YouTube, she seems to be the first uh, non-Anglo-Celtic person featured in the opening credits. But then we move to 2000, 2018, which is obviously the opening titles you watched in your week of the show. So we've got Tim Kano, Takaya Honda, Scarlett Vass, Sharon Johal, Vanny Deer, Olivia Junkier. First of all, how did you enjoy those uh, 30 years worth of opening credits? I definitely love them, especially because you could do a history on, you know, how music has evolved <laughs> oh my in gosh. the last 20 years. At face value, just judging based off the opening credits, Neighbours seems to be a pretty diverse show. Would you agree? Absolutely. Like, having a look at the most recent opening credits that were revealed just last week. Yeah, they have so many interesting and, and diverse characters on the show that are all equally represented. So they definitely do a better job, in your view, of the, compared to Home and Away, of reflecting diversity. I mean, I think so, based on, yeah, like skin colour alone, yeah. Do you think any of the portrayals, because they've obviously they've obviously got um, an ethnic family, they've got a few LGBT characters, do you think the portrayals were authentic or tokenistic in your view in any way? When it comes to the, I think, part Indian family on Neighbours, I think that's really interestingly done, right? Because I haven't really had the experience of meeting many South Asian people here in Sydney who are like third, fourth, fifth generation, people who are like the Rebeccas, but I do know that there are there are families like that that do exist, right? And again, they just kind of they're normal in society, and mm. so why not celebrate that? Why not celebrate the fact that they are brown or they are you know ethnically diverse, but they're just as Australian as everyone else, you know? I do think that the treatment of the gay characters, I think it was um, portrayed by Matt Wilson and Takai Honda, was a little bit more tokenistic but i mean you know i can't really penalize them too much i i point to things like for instance the fact that matt wilson is such a 
such a stereotype in the in, in what I was talking about that kind of like you know more straight acting muscular white dude who you know is super sexually lascivious like there's this one scene in which you know Takaya Honda wants to go and get changed into his into his beach shorts and you know Aaron just kind of follows him into the room because he's like I'm gonna help you change or like you know he's <laughs> always wearing Hawaiian shirts everywhere it's yeah. like come on I mean I, okay fine to be fair they just came back from a holiday yes they're on the um, Gold Coast so I'll you know I'll give them some points for that but yeah I don't know I mean there was I I I, I could get with that but not like a hundred percent get on board you know if if that makes sense i agree with you mm. i just yeah it, it seemed too like yeah this is what gay people should be like mm. almost you know takaya honda was a little bit more interesting um but again similar and this might be getting too too politically correct so i don't know if you want to do it i don't know i mean there's something about him and the fact that he's part asian and that he kind of seems like he's a little bit more meek and needs to be more supportive uh, needs to be more supported in that relationship you know mm. like Aaron is the more outgoing one and mm. he's you know a little bit more kind of introverted and almost submissive in a mm. way and I'm not sure if that's just like a subconscious kind of um uh link that I'm making there but definitely in at least the gay community there's a massive um stereotype about Asian people being more submissive both sexually and socially and to see that reflected, at least in part through their relationship with Aaron being the more kind of dominating one, was a little bit disappointing. But I will mention that the fact that they both proposed to each other rather than Aaron proposing to, to Kaya's character, mm. I like that. I thought that was really good. And we can talk about that further. We will talk about that right now because a very important thing happened in Neighbours this week. So you want to crack open the strawberries and chocolate sauce? Uh, no. Um, why not? No, uh... David, do you want to get married? Oh, wait, w w what? Stop. I'm, I love you, David. So Neighbours looks set to be the first Aussie drama to feature a gay wedding since same-sex marriage became legal last year. How did you find the proposal? It was a bit naff, but it was kind of sweet. Yeah, I, I actually really liked it. I thought that the proposal was handled really well. It's not planned, actually. So, you know, well, at least on, on um, Aaron's part, it's just completely, you know, oh my God, I really want to do this. And I think it's sweet, you know? I think it's sweet that Neighbours, as a show, just six months after same-sex marriage has been, you know, vociferously debated and there's been this huge campaign and then, you know, it, it, it wins over, that Neighbours are jumping on this already. And I, I mean, cynically, it's more they want to kind of, you know, get ahead of home and away before anyone else does that, right? And court their young viewership because I know that Channel 10 is going through a lot of difficulties. But that aside, I really think that it's important that they're portraying this kind of, this kind of dynamic and this kind of relationship and what it can be, given that the campaign for same-sex marriage was so divisive. Um, I particularly liked how both characters actually proposed to each other because there's this idea that in a gay relationship, there's always one man and one woman. And, you know, that traditional gender norms should translate into a gay relationship. Well, that's not true, you know, like gender norms shouldn't exist anyway. Like a woman can should be able to propose to a man. But it was really nice to see that, you know, um, both characters were kind of an equal playing field here, you know, like they both loved each other. So they both proposed to each other. And... I, I thought that was that was one of the things that really stood out to me, and I really liked that. I went on a walk before to get ready to ask you something. 
Aaron, you make me smile every day, and I'm a stronger person being with you, and I want to spend the rest of my life <laughs> learning and growing and exploring with you. Will you marry me? Yes. It's funny, because whatever you can criticise in terms of the acting, the writing, whatever, it was... You I couldn't help but watching that scene with a bit of a smile because it was cute. And when he gets the ring, uh, he uses a ginger beer bottle, ginger beer bottle yeah. and it's like, that's very cute. It so is. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I guess this is important, right? That Neighbours, our biggest, our most uh, longest running soap is doing a gay wedding. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I really want to see how it plays out, you know, how... I guess, I, you know, I haven't been around to watch other kind of um, wedding periods and Neighbours, but I'm sure that there have been some. And, yeah, I'd like to see whether or not this gets the same kind of treatment as the other ones would, right? Uh, whether there's the same kind of buzz around um, Ramsey Street, whether there's the same kind of dramas that come up when it comes to wedding planning, whether there's the same kind of twist at the end that I'm assuming always happens. Classic big soapy wedding. Can't it, wait to see how they do yeah, it. Yeah, and I think I will be watching this. In a big week of Neighbours. It's the wedding event of the year to Aaron and David. That'll be great. And we're talking about Neighbours in relation to this wedding proposal. Neighbours has been leading the way in terms of a lot of Aussie dramas in LGBT representation over the past few years. So the first character I remember is in 2004, um, Bridget. She was played... No, Lana Crawford. She was played by Bridget Naval. She had a fleeting romance with Sky Mangle, one of the show's iconic younger characters back in the day. So that happened in 2004. I remember watching it with some of my friends at school and being, oh my God, there's a lesbian characters on Neighbours. It was very funny. Then they Neighbours had their first ever regular gay character, Chris Pappas, played by James Mason in 2009. Ironically, the same year Home and Away had their massive controversy with that kiss. Yeah, right. I mean, there's something about the fact that the kiss is, kiss is so visual. I mean, I don't know. I, I think a lot of... Maybe a lot of pushback that occurs when you have gay characters isn't so much that they're gay, but rather that there's a, a manifestation of, of their queerness, right, through a kiss. And I think it's problematic that people find that difficult, but that they don't find the fact that someone is gay difficult, you know? like And the fact that on Home and Away, you see straight couples kiss all the time. Exactly. Like, such a double, double standard, right? So, parking the big, exciting gay proposal for a moment, Neighbours also has an ethnic, well, half-ethnic family living on Ramsey Street, who you talked about earlier. There are Beckys. So, there's Dippy, Kershaw, and Yashvi. Dippy, of course, being Shane Rebecca's wife. And Shane is the brother of Toadie, an iconic character, the one who used to have the mullet. Um, Yashvi and Kershaw being the two daughters. So, you mentioned that this family um, didn't necessarily ring quite true to your experience. It didn't ring true to my experience, but my experience isn't everything, right? And I think whatever whatever they are doing, whatever they're portraying, it's important. Especially because I think that there is actually... They are addressing the fact that um, the Rebeccas are um, ethnic. And I think that's being done through Yashvi. Which is my next question. Yeah. Because the Yashvi storyline, she is, of course, an aspiring football player. And she's getting bullied about receiving special treatment because of her skin colour. <laughs> There's a reason why you've got so many disposal septic. What's that supposed to mean? Don't act like you don't notice the easy ride the umpires give you. Why would I get an easy ride? Think about it. Think about what? Take a look in the mirror, Yashvi. You'll figure it out. Or maybe I'll spell it out for you. I think Olivia Junkier, I think her name is who plays Yashvi. I actually really enjoy her character because she's a bit of a tomboy. She's quite fun to watch on screen. How did you find that storyline and that whole... Because the fact that they're addressing it is great. Yeah, I I really liked Yashvi's character as well for the same reasons that you said. I also think that she... 
the actress, Olivia Junkier, is doing a really good job of portraying that kind of internalized conflict that she has of being a, a mixed race character. I am actually really, really happy to see Neighbours address the kind of racist element um, because I think they're harking back to the last time that they had a brown character in their in their show, I think in 2011. I forget what her name was. I know which one you mean, but they did have a previous, um, I think I think it was also South Asian family. In right, the show. yeah. She was killed off, but basically when she was introduced to the show um, on the Neighbours Facebook page, they got a bunch of racist comments and Neighbours actually came out and said, this is not okay. Like, you know, the, the voice of a very vocal minority is hijacking this character and, you know, the validity of this character. But anyway, she was killed off. And I think that this way, through the Yashvi storyline, they're kind of addressing or preempting any kind of feedback that they might have to do with ethnic characters by saying it is not okay to be racist, it is not okay to other people who are different, and this is what happens if actually you are racist towards people. You go through the kinds of things that Yashvi's going through. And yeah, I think it's being portrayed in a really good way, and it's what I was talking about in terms of being relatable and using media to disseminate a really important message. She, it came out of nowhere. She just kept going on and on. Well, I bet you told her where to go. Well, I wanted to, but I was just so mad. I couldn't even get the words out. What is she saying exactly? She's really racist stuff. Well, Yashvi, that's not okay. You have to tell your coach. No, I don't. And I think because it's important that they. They're obviously early evening soap operas with young audiences, with family audiences, but they don't want to write... I assume it's not good for them to run the risk of sugarcoating everything. Sugarcoating being a gay person, sugarcoating the difficulties that come with being from an ethnic background. Like, obviously, they don't want to be full-on, dark, depressing soaps, but it's important for them to address these kind of things. Especially because young people... <laughs> I can't believe I use that term. <laughs> but, you know... Well, you are like, the, you know, mature age of 22. <laughs> young people are watching more controversial television programming right? Like if you look at Netflix, like 13 Reasons Why deals with suicide, right? And all the kinds of the, the, the darkness that comes with that. So like, I don't think that kids are shying away from, from dark realities of existence, like for instance, racism or like, you know, homophobia or like bullying, you know, and to deal with these things in a way that isn't just tokenistic or, you know, that, that isn't just lighthearted is really important and brave of neighbors, but also and uh, like it's it's a necessary step to keep viewers engaged. Staying on these characters for a moment, because you mentioned earlier, Sid, the Sharon Johal interview on SBS. She talked about things how when she was growing up, she didn't see any kids that looked like her on TV. She talked about, but she also talked about the massive cultural expectations of being of Indian heritage and her parents who'd come to Australia to fork out a living for the kids and then that expectation of not giving that up and, you know, becoming a lawyer, becoming an accountant, becoming a doctor. And here she was trying to pursue um, a career in acting. How much of that side of the coin do you think rings true for a lot of South Asian and indeed just ethnic Australians that not only the difficulty of getting into the industry because you're ethnic, but also that family expectation that's also kind of holding you back from it? This is really interesting. It does ring 100% true. Like, I've experienced that myself, but I also recently wrote an article about it, which was about how the expectations of, especially migrant parents, are completely different to the expectations and the, the kind of ways in which their children grow up in an environment here where, you know, things like freedom and security and, you know, pursuing your interests and your dreams are championed over things like, you know, just doing a job that will get you high pay. And I think, sadly, that in order to pursue something like Sharon um, Johal has, you do need to disappoint your family members. You do need to 
disappoint them in the way that you're not you're not following their expectations and i think that it's a really important reckoning that needs to happen in migrant families so i think what she's doing is awesome and i think that her success story hopefully will encourage more people to do that you know to kind of cut against the grain and and normalize this idea of migrant children of migrants indulging in careers that aren't traditionally seen as as being for those people exactly because i guess we come full circle to the argument that if we start seeing more people of ethnic backgrounds on screen and if the parents of kids of ethnic backgrounds start seeing them on screen it becomes less of a foreign thing to think that oh maybe they'll have a chance to make it because that person has made it especially because i think in india the idea of becoming an actor or an actress isn't something that's thought of as being you know below you like everyone wants to get into bollywood right everyone moves it's it's kind of like that classic hollywood trope where everyone moves to hollywood and then you know like they work a bar job while you know doing auditions and stuff that happens in india as well so why should just i mean why should it be that just because you're in australia you can't pursue the same kind of dream i think it's to do with the fact that there are opportunities out there and because of that it's not seen as a secure or a stable way to make a living and yeah i'd love to see it change with sdin so we talked earlier Sid, about how if these soaps had reflected more of an experience that was closer to home to you that maybe you would have engaged with them more growing up going back to 10 year old sid when you were growing up do you think of Neighbours, probably not Home and Away, but Home and Away as well, just imagine if Neighbours and Home and Away were on in their current state when you were growing up. Do you think you would have engaged with them more, just with the families on Neighbours, the LGBT characters, and also Home and Away with this Thai storyline? I mean, if I was 10 years old now, definitely, yeah. you know, I think I would have openly engaged with them. I would have openly watched everything and I wouldn't have been afraid to do so either. Yeah, for sure. So now you've been exposed to the glory that is Neighbours and Home and Away, Sid, you're going to watch them again? I really think so. I mean, I I probably may need a bit of a push to get into Neighbours. I can give you a Home push. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I, yeah, definitely. I do want to watch Home and Away and Neighbours. I want to follow the storylines. I want to see how, you know, the wedding turns out. I want to see what happens with Yashvi. Um, and to some extent, I do want to kind of see how Ebony continues to muddy the waters in Summer Bay. But I think I might need some help there. And last two questions. Hit me. S- so, Sid, if you had to be stuck on a desert island with either Neighbours or Home and Away for the rest of your life, which one would you choose? This is a ridiculous question. It's not a ridiculous question. Yeah, because <laughs> if I'm stuck on an island with television, I'm pretty sure I have got some kind of connection. But um, I would probably have to say at this stage, Neighbours. Um, I am definitely being seduced by the whole Thai storyline. Yep. I want to see how that plays out too. On Home and Away? Yes. Yep. Um, on Home and Away. But I think at this stage, Neighbours, yeah. Okay. And Sid... Lastly, thanks so much for chatting about Home and Away Neighbours, but what's next for Fobgays? Ooh, next for Fobgays, we're trying to get into the Diwali Mela, and also we're hoping to do some really cool stuff with Akon, which is the big kind of governing queer, well, mostly gay body in New South Wales. So watch that space. Nice. That sounds really exciting. Thanks so much, Sid, for your time on Undertelly. I thoroughly enjoyed watching Neighbours and Home and Away with you, and I hope we can do it again soon. Likewise, and for sure. And that was Sid Sharma, one of the co-founders of FobGays, a fantastic community group championing visibility around and support for the friends and family of brown gays. Be sure to give FobGays a like on Facebook. You can find the link on our Facebook page. And be sure to give Undertelly a like if you haven't already. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram, and we're also now on iTunes, so make sure you hit subscribe. But for now, I'm Oleg Novak. I'll catch you flaming galahs next time. You're listening to Undertelly with Oleg Novak, Mount Cola's fastest growing Aussie TV podcast.